<laughs> Anybody stinking blessed here this morning? Yeah. All right, so let me, uh, real quick, we're in the Stinking Blessed series. Today's going to be about sharing your blessings. And uh, this past week in the Bible Project, we read a scripture. Like, oh, I wish I'd have thrown that one in at the end of last, last Sunday's sermon. So I'm going to use it to start this morning, even before we have a quick word of prayer. Okay, but so let me, let me give you this little scripture, if we can, just one little thought I want to throw at you. And it really kind of ties the two together in some ways. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 3 says, Clearly you are a letter from Christ. He's talking to the church at Corinth, and he says, Clearly you are a letter from Christ, showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is written not with pen and ink, but with the Spirit of the living God. It is carved not on tablets of stone, but on human hearts. What he's saying is, you are our letter of recommendation written by Christ, written on you. You are the letter of recommendation. And you know what? That's what you are, 2911. We are 2911's letter of recommendation to the family and friends, the, the people that, that need to know about Jesus. We're the letter of recommendation, the, the, the marriages that have been saved here. And there, there are people, there are marriages in, uh, in church with us, Church 2911 today, that if it wasn't for what, it wasn't for what God has done in your life through, through the ministry of small groups, the ministries uh, at 2911, you wouldn't be married today. There, there are people like that sitting in our services today. There, there are people that, uh, that you are healed today because of prayers that have prayed and, and uh, the miracle and the gift of healing. There are, there are people that have, that have financial blessings. There are people that, that your life is totally different because of the work that God has done in your life through, through people that you've connected with or a small group or whatever. So you are the letter of recommendations. What, what, what an awesome thing. And so when we, when we think about trying to, how, how do we let people know about how awesome God is? There you are. When we want to let people know about how awesome our church is, there it is. You are the letter of recommendations. So do everything you can to show it off. Show what God has done to you because you are the letter of recommendations. So let's have a word of prayer, and uh, let's, uh, let's let God speak to us, okay, about some generosity things this morning. Father, I thank you that first, I am so stinking blessed, God. There are so many things, God, that you have done for me. God, I get to worship you today. God, I get to worship you with my church family and also the families you gave me. Every member of the family, God, that, that you have given to me and David, God, that uh, together, God, we get to worship together today. God, I, I, have, I have so, so much of even my, uh, even my brother and God and his wife and my mom and my dad, God, and on and on. God, my, my financial blessings, God, the things that you do for me, God, the, God, God, the, the healings, Lord, that we have had in our, in our family, the health that we have, all of the stuff, God, over and over. I am so stinking blessed blessed. But God, help us, help us see that it's not just about getting us to the level of being blessed, but this is about, it's about something else too. So stir us, God. Challenge us, God. Help us check ourselves, test ourselves even. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Okay. So let me start with a little bit of a, it's a, this is a quote from Jeff Surratt. Now, I don't really know this guy other than I read some of his articles from time to time. And this, this is a, a few quotes out of one of his articles on generosity. He says, uh, giving is about generosity. Generosity opens up the soul. Generosity connects me with God. When I give away what I've worked so hard to earn, I begin to understand the gospel. And I love that he didn't say, when I give away what I've worked so hard to earn, 
that I've got it all figured out. I am really operating. No, he says, I'm just beginning then. I, li- I like that. When I give away what I've worked so hard to earn, I begin to understand the gospel. He explains that a little further by saying, I begin to experience the heart of God as he sees his son dying on a cross for the sin he did not commit. I begin to experience the heart of God, and I begin to, to understand the gospel when, when I, as he died for sin he didn't commit, as I begin to give for needs that I didn't create or not, or not of my own. Generosity is the key to the treasure chest of joy. You know, when, when your joy is waning a little bit, when your joy is a little low, you need a little joy, give. Give, because generosity is the key to opening that back up. When I give, I experience just a taste of heaven. Have you ever given something to somebody and you felt like you got more out of it than they did? That's what he's talking about. And that's what generosity is. And and I, I believe we're all somewhat generous, but... Let's go a little deeper, okay? I really want to, I really want to, to, to not just preach a, a message, but I even want to pray at the end. I really want this to go beyond just what we think of as blessed. I, I want it to go to another level. I want it to go just a little, little farther than just the air, the level that we think of as, as being blessed, okay? So, so let's, let's go, and actually we're going to be using scriptures that we read this week in, in the Bible Projects. And again, I really hope you're reading with us. And, and if you did, then you're, you're kind of already set. You've already read some of this and, and watched the video as well, okay? But uh, this is what Paul is writing to a church in Corinth, okay, in Greece. In 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 4, it means it's the second letter that we have uh, that he wrote there. And he said, he's talking about the churches in Macedonia, and he says about them, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Okay, so let me just set this up. This is chapter 8 of this letter, and Paul is talking about churches in Macedonia. And Macedonia is an area just right north of Greece, and maybe includes some of what we present day call Greece, but it's north of there. So he's talking to a church in Greece, in Corinth, specifically the city in Greece, about some churches in Macedonia, uh, probably Philippi and Thessalonica, Berea. We know that there were churches there in those cities in, Mes- in Macedonia. And so he says, the churches in Macedonia, let me tell you, they begged for the opportunity to give. When, when they heard about the, the needs in the church in Jerusalem, they begged for the opportunity to give. Are there any people like that today? Do we see people like that around anymore that, that, that beg for the opportunity to give? Yeah. I'm looking at some of them right now. A couple of weeks ago, I mentioned, I mentioned a need and, and how the church had been working on doing some things, and one of the groups in the church had been working on doing some things, and, and somebody came to me after service and said, I didn't know about this. Am I out of the loop? And he said, I didn't get an opportunity to give. I love that, that that's, that's your attitude. You know, it's, it's this same attitude that, that the Macedonian church has had. It's like, come on, I want to give. And, and, and I love that you have that attitude. Because here, little note, is as we become more like Jesus, next slide, there you go. As we become more like Jesus, we will be more filled with generosity. It's just going to happen. As we become more like Jesus, we are filled with more generosity. Now, after the first service, Brother Phil told me, a lot of people told him how he'd know he was a Christian or how he'd know this or that, and he said, I knew I was a Christian when I started giving. When, you, yeah, when you're able to let go of it, you, you start knowing, wait a minute, I'm beginning to get a little bit like, okay, but let's take this deeper, right? Let's take this a little further. Okay, so let's go back to our scripture. This is beginning verse 6 now. So, 
Paul says, we've urged Titus, see who encouraged your giving in the first place, we've urged Titus to return to you and encourage you to finish this ministry of giving. Finish this ministry of giving. Have you ever had, have you ever had an idea that, you know, I'd I'd like to do something? Or maybe you thought, I I need to do something for somebody. Maybe you need to do something for uh, your neighbor or or, or a friend or something. You had this idea, and you said, well, I just got to figure out how to do it, and you kind of put it in the back of your mind, and you forgot about it, right? Finish. That's what he's talking about. You need to finish. And I ask you, have you? I know we all have had that. We've all had that, 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 that thought in our head, I want to do something, and maybe we didn't know how to do it right then, and so we are going to figure it out, and, and we didn't get it done. Maybe it was actually giving some money. Maybe it was making a cake for somebody, buying somebody's dinner or something, doing something, and, and we didn't finish. We didn't make it happen. If you, and we've all done that, but if you know what that is, if it's still in your head, yeah, I remember something like that, then finish it. If you had that thought, don't say, well, that's in the past. No, finish it. If you had that thought, finish it, okay? Make sure you do that. Uh, then he goes on and says, since you excel in so many ways, you excel in your faith, you have gifted speakers in your church, you excel in knowledge, your enthusiasm and passion, your love from us, I also want you to excel in this gracious act of giving, he says. So, you know, you excel in stuff. We excel in stuff. We work hard. You know, here's the thing. It's, it's not enough to have gifted speakers or it's not enough to just have gifted musicians and singers. We also need to excel in generosity. Okay, so now he goes on, this verse 8. Uh, I am not commanding you to do this, but I am te- because if I command you to do it, it's not generosity. I'm not commanding you to do this, but I'm testing how genuine your love is by comparing it with the eagerness of the other churches. So he says, this is a test. I'm not telling you, hey, do this, do this, do this, and this. Now, I'm going to talk to you about some giving opportunities, but... I, I don't really want to tell you to do this, and that, because if I do, it's not generosity. You're being obedient, that's good, but it's not really generosity. But you need to test yourself in this, okay? He says this is a test, but it's not just a test for Paul to give them. It's a test for us to give ourselves. As we back up to verse 6, and we think about how do we finish? Test yourself. How do you finish? You have great ideas and thoughts about generosity, but do you finish? Have you finished them? You know, and, and how, how, do you excel? Do you, are, do you excel at being a giver? And not just, not just financially, but in everything. You know, and, and all the stuff that you have available to you. Do you excel in your giving? And so we need to be testing ourselves. And, and you know, it's, it's uh, sometimes not a good idea. Probably most of the time it's not a good idea to compare ourselves to other people. But Paul said, in, uh, it, with the eagerness of the other churches, comparing with the eagerness of the other churches, and so sometimes we do need some benchmarks to look at. And think about it this way. We, as Christians in the United States of America, ought to be the most generous people in the world. And so if we are not more generous than the world, then that should be a test for us. And, and, and you know the stats. I mean, we, we gave those to you in a sermon earlier this year. You know, that, that hey, the church is. I mean, when, when there is a need, when there is a disaster, uh, you, you look around, and, and it's the Christian church that outgives all other organizations all combined. It's the Christian church. Think about all the hospitals and medical facilities all around the world, and how many of those are, what, they're named Christian things, right? I, I mean, it's, it's that hard. So the church is doing that, but this is not a test just for the church. This is a test for me. It's not just about, is the church giving more than the world, but am I? You know, is my generosity 
higher than it was before I became a Christian. I mean, this should be a test for us. Am I finishing? Am I excelling in this? We should be testing ourselves this because, go on now, verse 9, you know the generous grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, though he was rich. Was Jesus rich? He's the son of God, right? <laughs> you know, and his dad owned it all, right? <laughs> the whole thing, First Chronicles 29, 11, you know, Jesus, though he was rich, for your sakes, he became poor. He, became, he was the son of God who came to live in human body, born in the dusty little town of Bethlehem, you know, wasn't born in Trump Tower in New York, right? Born in Bethlehem, you know, lived like you and I lived, didn't have a whole lot of stuff to call his own. He became poor so that by his poverty, he could make you rich. He was rich and became poor so that he could make you once poor, now rich. And because he did that, because of his generosity to us, it should incite generosity to others. That's what it should be. That's what it ought to be. That's what it must be because he is our example. And, and because of his giving to us, we should also be giving to others. Okay, so let's go on now to uh, verse 12 through 14. Whatever you give is acceptable if you give it eagerly and give according to what you have, not what you don't have. Okay, remember that thing last week about proportional giving. You know, you shouldn't, you know, you shouldn't, and God doesn't expect you to give as somebody that's got twice as much as you. But you should be giving better than people who have twice, uh, half as much as you. Okay? So don't, 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 give, uh, don't give what you don't have. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourself. I only mean that there should be some equality. Okay? Um, let's, let's talk about this for just a minute. Because we got people on both ends of the spectrum. It, here, here in our culture today, there is a lot of narcissism. There's spirit of narcissism, of self, selfishness. And so what some people would read in there is say, okay, he's telling me, don't give if it's going to make it hard on me and easy on somebody. That's not what he's saying. If it makes it a little harder on you and a little easier on somebody, yes, he is. Because a lot of us, we're on this end of the spectrum and, you know, we're like, we got to hold it in and we got to keep it because I, I, you know, I can't just make it easy on you and, and make it harder on myself. And no, no, there is some sacrifice. Sacrifice is required. That is a requirement here. He's not saying don't sacrifice. He's saying that we should be, at times, we should, we should put off buying something so we can do something for somebody else. At times, we should put aside some of our calendar so that we can help somebody else with the things that they need. Okay? So there is some sacrifice. But now, on the other side of the selfish narcissism end of the spectrum, there's the martyr end of the spectrum, right? And there are some of us and somebody told me after church, after first service, they, they nudged their wife and they said, boy, you really needed to hear this sermon today. He said, if she had her way, we'd give away every single dime that we have. Yeah. And that's the way it is a lot of times in, in, a, in a marriage even, is you got one that's a little, little you know, clingy and then you got one that just wants to give it away. Well, Paul is talking to both of them here. And when he talks about this, when he says, you know, God's not expecting you to give away so much that everybody else's life is easy and yours is hard. Because that's what some of us do. I mean, some of us, we enable people to do things that are, you know, just make it as easy, as easy, as easy as we can. And then we just, we just make it harder on ourselves. God doesn't require that. That's not what he is expecting. You remember, Scripture does say that those who don't work don't eat. There you go. In the mouth of two or three witnesses, okay, check it out. I should have given you the Scripture reference today. But it does say that. You know, so what that means, that means that, you know, you're not supposed to be running around looking for people that aren't trying. 
and just making their life easy. No, that's not what it's meaning. Somewhere in the middle, as he says, this equality. Okay, so, uh, uh, well, let me say this real quick. This equality thing. It's not that everybody's equal. If you got $1,000, I got five, you got to give me a bunch of your so That's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a balance. He's talking about somewhere in the middle of this narcissism and martyrdom, there is a balance of where we see people, you know, those of us who have and are blessed, we see people who are in need, and we want to help them because they're in need. Okay? Now, now follow this right here. Uh, right now, you have plenty, and you can help those who are in need. Later, they will have plenty and can share with you when you need it. In this way, things will be equal. Okay? Not equally, but balanced. Okay? Here, here's the way to look at this. If you don't have really big needs today, but you're blessed, and all of us are blessed, but if you're really blessed today, you need, you need to think about it. You need to think about in the future, one of these days, you may be in a place that you aren't as blessed as you are today. So you need to be planting good seed today that will be able to bring a harvest in those days that you aren't as blessed but also, you need to look back and remember that there was a time probably that you weren't as blessed as you are today. But somebody helped you. Somebody picked you up. Somebody gave. Maybe it was financial. Maybe it was their time. Maybe something else. But somebody helped you. So in your past, maybe you had some of those times somebody helped you, and now you're blessed. So now it's your turn to be that for somebody else. You know, don't, don't just ignore that, but say, I was. And you know what? We've, we've got people in this church that, that through the benevolence and uh, the Christmas things that we do, we've got people in this church that are here today because of some of that outreach stuff that we have done that reached them the heart of God. They saw not just what we were doing, but they saw why we were doing it, and they're here today. And you know what? They're now involved in some of those things that we're doing. They said, wait, we were there, and, and you guys have helped us. Now they, they said, man, we want to be a part of that and give back as well. But let me also talk to those of you who are in need. Because you're thinking I'm just talking about to the, gener to the people who can be generous, the people who don't have need today. Now let me talk to you as well. If you have needs today, don't just pray that God gets you here. Pray that God gets you here. Let, let, me, let me read it with you. If you have needs, pray that you can be so blessed that you can be a blessing to others, not just a recipient. You know, if you've got needs, don't just pray. God gets you. Okay, I can make it now. I can. No, don't just pray that. Pray that God blesses you where you can be a blessing as well. I see some smiles. I see some nods like, yeah, that sounds good. No, 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 no. Not, don't just sound good. I mean, grab it. I mean, ask it. I mean, I mean, pray the prayer and believe in faith. God, I want you to bless me so that I can be a blessing. If you're, if you're in need today, don't, don't just come to, to God with your need. Come to God and say, God, I want you to make me not just blessed, but make me a blessing. Let me be one of those that you send your blessing through. Let me be. Okay, so let's go back to our scripture, chapter 9, verse 2. For I know how eagerly, eager you are to help, and I've been boasting to the churches in Macedonia that you guys in Greece were ready to send an offering a year ago. In fact, it was your enthusiasm that stirred up many of the Macedonian believers to begin giving. Okay, now the, the church in Corinth, they started good, but they didn't finish. You know, they, they, they're excelling in other things, but they're not excelling in their giving. But look, look at what Paul says. But he says it was your giving in the first place that stirred those churches in Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. Your giving is what stirred them to give, and now they're out giving you. Hey, listen, 
Some of you may think, well, I just don't have very much that I can give. I don't have much time that I can give. I don't have many talents that I can share with others. I don't have all these things that I can. But whatever little you've got, give it. Whatever little time you've got, you know, carve out some time. Make some time. Make some room. Make, make some room to, to share one of your talents with somebody. You know, and, and, and in doing that, what you're going to do is you're going to stir up somebody else to give their time or their talents or even their finances. And when you do that, you're going to also be stirring some people who can even outgive you. So your giving is not limited to just the little that you have, but it's going to flourish as you begin to stir other people's people to want to give also. And so, so and those people that really outgive you, is your giving is going to not be this big, but it's going to be this big. Stir people. Okay, i got to hurry, so let me go on to verse uh, 3 and 4. But I'm sending these brothers to you to be sure that you are really ready. You, okay, we're taking up an offering. We've got this need in Jerusalem. But I'm sending these. You say you want to give, but I'm sending these brothers to make sure you're really ready, as I've been telling them, and that your money is all collected. Remember verse 2 just a minute ago? It said, he told them he had been boasting about them. I don't want to be wrong in my boasting about you. We would be embarrassed. Not to mention your own embarrassment, if some Macedonian believers came with me and found that you weren't ready after all I had told them. And, and, and so Paul says, I've been boasting about you. Can I tell you something? I've been boasting about you, 2911. I saw someone posted on Facebook a need that they had, and this was, this was a ministry, uh, and, and they had a, this need, and it's, it's out the country. And I messaged them real quick, and I, and I had started inquiring about the need and everything. And, and uh, I said, this is the kind of thing my church family at 2911 grasps a hold of and will give to and will take care of. And I'm going to share that with you real soon, probably next Sunday, okay? All right, I'm going to share that opportunity with you, okay? And I, I was boasting about you. And then somebody else was talking to me about their ministry and their needs, and, and I said, you know what, that's something that our church could give to. And I, I text somebody uh, back uh, a couple of months ago, and I was asking him about something about Christmas, and, and I said, oh, my, my church really wants to do, you know, because here's what happens every, every year, here's what happens at 2911, people ask me, do we know any families that need help at Christmas? See, because you are that church that's begging for the opportunity to give, and I brag about you. I'm boasting about you. So let's let the boasting be for real, right? Let's go back to Scripture, and we'll hurry as best I can. Remember this. A farmer who plants only a few seeds will get a small crop. Do you get this? Do you understand this? Do you need me to spend a half hour here? You understand that if a farmer uses a few seeds, he gets a small crop. But if he plants a lot of seed, right? We understand that, right? But the one who plants generously will get a generous crop. You must each decide in your heart how much to give, okay? Same thing, you know. Come on, you selfish narcissist or you martyrs, you know, you guys got to figure it out how much to give. You know, I'm not telling you how much to give. You got to figure that out. And don't give reluctantly or in response to pressure, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully. Okay, so this sermon here today is not about I want you to give this or I want you to give that and I'm trying to get you to give. That's not what this sermon's about, okay? Um, for God loves a person who gives cheerfully and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty left over to share with others. This is God's way. And you know, the Word of God tells us that, that He has written His, his truths, his, his way of doing things, who He is. He's written all this, not just 
in the Word of God, the Bible that you hold in your hand, but in all of nature. And so this thing about giving and receiving, it's written in nature as well, that when you put a seed in the ground, you get more back. I did a sermon preached a sermon, uh, uh, I, don't, I don't know, a few years ago, and, and I, I wish I, wish I um, had thought about this. I, I thought about it in the middle of the first service, and, and so I, where, I could, where I could give you the numbers, because I actually added it up. Like, you take one little kernel of corn, and you put it in the ground, and you know, a stalk grows from that, right? And on that stalk are several ears of corn, and on every one of those ears are hundreds of kernels of corn, and so from one comes that this is God's way. This is what God does. And so he takes our gifts of our finances, of our time, of our talent, and he blows them up like this and, and to give us. And, and then he says, if we give this way, if we give generously and we give not out of necessity or arm twisting, but we give because we want to. If we give out of generosity, then he blesses us, but not just to the level that we need, but he blesses us with even more because of those who are around us. And this, this is the way God wants to do it. But if we added up all the needs in this room today, if we took a list, and I don't just mean financial. Some of you are thinking about money. I don't just mean that. I mean, I mean everything. If we were to add all of it up, all of the needs that you have, God can supply all of those needs. And he wants to. But not just to that level. He wants to do abundance. Because there are people around you that need what you have. And, they, they, and God wants to meet their needs as well. And so God want, wants to do this. It's, it, it's God's desire. That's why. That's why this is nature. That's why uh, the, the psalmist said, my cup runs over. Why would God pour more than we can hand, handle and it would be running over? Is God wasteful? No, God gives us more than we need because he wants, there's somebody else around us that needs as well. This is not a message this, this, this is not a message about give to this, give to this, give to this. This is a message about changing your attitude, your spirit. There's a, there's a thing, and I, I've read, David's read a book, I've read several articles and heard some people preach on this thing called an orphan spirit. You ever heard of an orphan spirit? Now, it doesn't necessarily mean, you mean a, a demon? No, it doesn't necessarily mean a demon. Uh, I, I, it could be that a Evil spirit will be attacking someone. But it's really more like an attitude thing, an orphan attitude. Now, 80% of the people sitting here listening to me right now are the people who are later going to listen to this on the podcast need to read something into this because you deal with an orphan attitude. Because just, just about all of us do. I do, okay? I wasn't an orphan. My mom and dad's sitting right here with us today. It, it's not that guy. But we've all got past, right? We've all got histories. We've all got things in our past. We all have people that were promised to be there for us, and they weren't. We've all got people who, who hurt us. We've all got people that let us down. We've got people who made promises and didn't fulfill them. We've got people who should have been there to be the rescuers, and they ended up being the problem. We've all got those kinds of, and those things if we're not careful, we'll bring to us an orphan spirit or an orphan attitude. Let me, let me explain what, what it is kind of in this way. Dave and I have some ministry friends in Texas. They're pastors in Texas. I, I, I preach for them. And the day that I preached for them, um, at lunch that day, sitting around the table, they were telling us they had, they had um, adopted a girl, a young girl from, from another country. 
And they were telling us about how hard it was and what the things that they were dealing with and facing. And they said one of the hardest things was they could not get the little girl to eat. They would get her to, you know, eventually she would eat a little something, but they could not get her to eat like she needed to eat until finally they figured out what the problem was. What she had to have is she had to have a plate of food to eat from, and she had to have another plate of food as the promise of another meal. When she had two plates of food on the table, she could eat from one of them. But she could not eat from that one because she had an orphan spirit. She had never had anybody that would make sure she had enough to eat tomorrow, so she had to do that for herself. And so she would hold on to this one. This would be her plate, and she could not eat until she had the promise of tomorrow. Eventually, she came to realize that she had some people now who were going to provide tomorrow. She had this mother, this father. You getting, you getting it? She had this father now who was concerned about her tomorrow. And so now she didn't have to actually see the plate of food. After a while, she didn't have to, have to actually see the plate of food sitting on the table. She knew that this one's being provided now, and when I have need, there'll be another one provided. And tomorrow, there'll be another one provided. And the next day, there'll be another one provided, and another, and another, and another. And that's how they were able to deal with and get rid of the orphan spirit. And see, you say, well, Christ yeah, Christians, we have to deal with this. Because, you know, we have this, we have this sinful nature that, you know, I, you know, some of you may think that you become a Christian, everything gets perfect, and everything's wiped away, and you don't have any memories of any, oh, no, that, that's not the way it works. You got stuff that you still have to deal with. And if you don't deal with it, let me tell you what an orphan spirit will do. An orphan spirit will create selfishness, jealousy, greed, insecurity. Some of you, you want to know where your insecurity comes from? It, it creates competition. Distance between adults and children, and my goodness, look at, look at our culture today. Look at our culture today and how much we have distanced ourselves, the generations distancing themselves. And I, I mean, even parents and their own children are, 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 just, are just in our culture, people uh, against the, uh, and disconnecting from the kids, and finds its identity in things. The orphan spirit finds its identity in things. I love that we sang that song just a few moments ago. I am a child of God. My identity is I am a child of God. I'm no longer a slave. And I like that Jamie said, it's not just about, I'm no longer a slave to anything. My identity is not in being a slave to this or being a slave to that or having to have the best or the latest or the most or whatever. My identity is found in Jesus Christ. I am a child of God. You and I don't have that orphan spirit. Or we're supposed to. So how is it that Christians still deal with things like this? Because we're, we're, we're saved, right? Our, our sins are all washed away, right? We have promise of eternal life with God. Why is it? We're not supposed to, are we? Are you, Pastor, are you saying that we still, yeah, we still deal with some of them. And if we haven't yet dealt with them, let me take you. 1 Corinthians. Okay, we're backing up into the first letter now, okay? But Paul writes in chapter 3, the first three verses, Dear brothers and sisters, when I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would spiritual people. He's talking to Christian people now, right? People who have had their sins forgiven, people who their names are written in God's records in heaven, people who have eternal life promised to them. But he said, I couldn't talk to you like spiritual people. I had to talk to you like you belong to this world. 
or as you were infants in the Christian life. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food, because you weren't ready for anything stronger. Next verse. And you still aren't ready, for you are still controlled by your sinful nature. Okay, now listen, he's not saying that you're sinning. He's not saying that any of you, he's not, he's not condemning any of them like you committed a sin today or whatever, but he's saying you're still controlled by that old nature. You hadn't dealt with some of that stuff in your past. Uh, you were jealous of one another? Come on. You quarrel with each other? Come on. Doesn't that prove you were controlled by your sinful nature? Aren't you living like people of the world? That's not God's way, is it? That's not God's plan. God didn't die for us and give us the very best gift he could give so that you and I could just be hoarders and not, and, and not be free from this kind of orphan spirit. That's not what God planned. One last slide. One last thing. As we... As we live in the knowledge that we are sons and daughters of God, when we live in that, we don't have to fight for the blessings that we get. When you really believe that you are God's child, you don't have to fight for the blessings. You don't, you don't just grab that thing because you believe that you have a father now who's going to provide when you're hungry again going to provide for that need tomorrow, going to provide for that need the next day, and going to provide and going to provide. When you really understand that you are a son or a daughter of the king that owns the universe, when you really live in that understanding, then you don't have to fight for your blessings anymore, and you don't have to hoard them. If you believe that he's going to provide tomorrow, then when you take it, you, then you'll take the rest of that and give because you know there's more tomorrow. We don't have to fight for them and we don't have to hoard them anymore. You see, when you really deal with that issue of who you really are, that helps you deal with that orphan spirit of all the problems, all the mistakes that people have brought and dumped in your life, the failures, the, the, the abuses, the, and maybe even actually being a physical, real orphan in that way as well, or whatever, but all of these areas, when you really understand and embrace that you have this Father now, then you, then you understand, and you're dealing with that and getting that orphan spirit out of the way. Can I ask you to do something for me? Can I ask you, if you will, to join me at the front? If you're a first-time attender, we close around front with a final song and prayer. We'd love to have you join us if you feel comfortable. So just move this way with us, if you will. Amen. Here's what I want to pray. Here's what I want to pray over you today as pastor. As your pastor or if you're a guest here today, you're, you're in my house. So I'm over you today. If you'll receive it, if you want it, this is what I want to pray over you. I want to pray for whatever your needs are. Everybody's got a need, right? We've all got something we need from God. We've all got something. I want to pray, whatever your needs are, that God does not just bring you up to that level. Okay, my, my needs are taken care of. I want to pray that God takes you beyond that level so you can be a blessing to somebody else. That if you have financial needs, that God brings you up to here so your needs are taken care of because that's what he said in his word. He wants to do that, and you've got enough to share with everybody else. But I'm not just talking about finances. I mean, whatever your needs are. If you're sick, if you've, got, if, if you've got a disease, you're sick or whatever, I want to pray not that God just heals you, but he heals you in such a way and puts something in you that, that maybe you become the, the testimony, the letter of recommendation 
that somebody else says, wait, God can do that for me. You stir them to believe in the same faith that God can heal them as well. I want to I pray that God doesn't just take you to here, but he takes you here. Or, or, or in, in your family, your marriage, or in your family. I mean, you know, Thanksgiving and Christmas, if you've, got, if you've got unity in your family, it's the greatest time of the year. But if you don't, it can be the worst time of the year, can it? You know, if you've got that hole, I want to pray that God doesn't just bring you up to here, but that God takes you on beyond that. That he gives you such a blessing and unity of family and a healing of family or marriage or whatever it is, that that also stirs with other people and it, and it impacts other people around you. I want to pray that over you. So I'm going to pray that. I said, you're in my house, I'm going to pray that over you today. But you've got to decide, do I want that? Do, I, do you want that this morning? Anybody want that? Anybody want a blessing, not, not, but just a beyond blessing? A, a, a blessing to the next level, an exponential blessing that, you can, that, that can go on out to, to others around you? Do you want that? Will you, will you receive that prayer from your pastor today? Or this pastor, if I'm not your pastor today? Yeah, okay, and the prayer team wants to agree with you. Because the Word of God says we're to agree concerning anything, it will be done. So let me, if you have a need today and you want to be that kind of person, I don't want to just get to here. I want to get to here. And I want to be that kind of a person. I want you to come and let a prayer team member pray with you over your need that God turn a need into a blessing. That God turn your poverty, if, even if it's a family poverty, or you know, that kind of, that he turned that into riches. I want you to let a prayer team member pray that over you, okay? But if you have never started this walk with Christ, then you're not just looking for those other plates, but you haven't even really enjoyed the first plate of his blessing. And let me tell you how easy it is to start that walk with Christ and to have him begin blessing you. The Word of God says all you got to do is believe. Basically, just believe who Jesus says he is. I believe Jesus is exactly who he says he is. He was God that came in a human form to die on the cross of Calvary for my sin, and he raised back to life on the third day so that I wouldn't exist in death for eternity. I would exist in life for eternity. I would have eternal life. I believe that's who he is. That's all it takes. And then tell somebody about it. You can tell somebody standing around you. You can text somebody. You can drop me a note in the, in the offering bag back there. But just believe that Jesus is exactly who he says he is. And then tell somebody about it. That's all it takes to be a Christian, to be saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, to believe that he died for your sin, that he is exactly who he says he is in the Word of God, and tell somebody. So I want to pray those two prayers over you. I want to pray those, for those of you who have never been a Christian, I'll pray that with you, and I want you to tell us about it. But I want to pray that our need becomes blessings. Anybody want that? Anybody want that? Come on. Even if you don't nod your head outside, nod it inside. Say, yes, I want that. Come on, let's pray.